July 15, 2020. It's a Watt from Pedro Show. <laughs> Bye. 
show happy wednesday i'm gonna be driving up to hollywood after this in 24 years uh, doing some of these songs with uh pear and perk peter porn of pyro guys really and, wow people you can see that i'm not man alone brother matt you know we're still in court and quarantino mode so he's at the love ground three miles south but i am not man alone because of the wonders of the Skype software from them, those Estonian software geniuses. I got Jen Shalshag from Brooklyn. Hey, hi, Mike. Wait, what? You're going up to Hollywood to play with pornos for, with Perry Farrell? Now you're all loud. You know, you were talking soft. It's that old uh, sound check trick again. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm talking soft. No, no, just talk the way you are and I'll adjust to it. Now, people, uh, I don't know how many, three, four times I've got, four or five maybe, I've got to conk your pad, which is bitching pad. Several people, uh, John and Terry Show, Missing Man, uh, El Sonio de Marinaio, an oasis is the shell shag pad. And, uh, and also, as people, I got to share the stage with them last time I was 
that zone. What was that, Mercury? Yeah, Mercury Lounge. Mercury Lounge. Yeah, Manhattan. And um, actually, they had to connect with Pedro people here before me. So I, I, I got to uh, thank Raul, right? He's the yes. He's the connect man. And uh, because you, you were actually coming to town here to Pedro to play when I didn't know. Well, I was probably out touring like crazy. There was a you period were. there. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Ra Raul actually got me to... I was having problems with my elbow as a drummer. I used to play big fat two B sticks and Raul was like, nah, nah, you want to move to, you know, for, you know, seven, a seven B. And so Raul saved me. I've been able to drum longer because now my, I don't have that like tendonitis I used to have. So he's one of my favorite drummers ever. George Hurley two B. Oh yeah. Two B. In the old days, I remember when we, because the big gig was, right, that's where you turn around oh, is New York yeah. City, and, and it used to be 48th Street with Manny's and all that, that's all gone now, but I remember Georgie buying sticks and it was 2B, and he'd roll yeah. them too, because some of them were like kind of lopsided and shit, so he'd roll them on the counter there. Okay, <laughs> look, look, I want to go through both of you guys' journey through music, how you got to where you are now, so who wants to go first? Uh, that was a Good long show. stretch for me to not speak, so I guess I'll go first. Uh, <laughs> everything Shell. coming through all right? Shell. What's your oh, earliest? Yeah. Shell. Yes, sir. What's your earliest musical recollection, please? Um, going to see Kiss Alive 2 with my brother and my dad, because I threw a fit because he could go and I couldn't. I didn't even know who Kiss was, but... I felt a lot differently after the concert. Gene Simmons did the tongue and the blood, and Ace freely rose up from underneath the stage and then kept on going and flew and into Troy Rock City. And I was a young kid, so the makeup and all this was really fantastic, you know, for like a nine-year-old. So uh, this, you're saying this is the gig that they took songs from to make a, an album? I don't think it, they used any recordings from the Houston show. I think they used recordings from different various shows throughout the thing, but it was that album release that I saw the tour for. Yeah, because uh, to call a tour Kiss Alive 2 sounds crazy. Um, <laughs> it's I probably was, the uh, tour that came. Now, I got to tell you, my connect with Kiss, me and D. Boone, we saw them before they even had the first album out. They would open up for anybody here. We saw them with Wishbone Ash. You know, Savoy Brown. Makeup, no makeup. No, they, they, well, the makeup was a little different. And the sign was small. It was light bulbs. This <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, it's right, it's right. Awesome. I think when they didn't have makeup, they were called Wicked Lester or something. And I never saw that shit because that's, you know, Queens and New York City. And well, this is when they're touring and they would open up for anybody. Remember, I'm here in Pedro. And so the gigs are across the harbor in Long Beach, most of them. And like I said, they, Camel, you know, Jay, the five-man version of the James Gang with uh, Tommy Bolin. And when that fire thing, uh, Gene Simmons' hair caught on fire, and a roadie had to come with a towel and, and knock it out. So we were on oh. the side. We could see that kind of up close because, it was, you know, how fucked up those uh, concerts were. You, not very good sound, not very good seats. But they were, the, yeah, they were... Uh, uh, Okay, I was at nine, but it was still exciting. I saw only one gig when they had the record. I remember when the record came out, it was so slow. But then there was a record, like it was on lunch pails and shit, right? Kiss Army. Yeah. 
It was right, Destroyer. Right. That's the one, and I never saw him again after that. Yeah, so, it was the first memory that popped in my head. I think because of uh, I was so young. It was it wasn't so much a band as I was like Ace Freely for Halloween three years in a row, like the lunch boxes, all the extra stuff was a big part. My real musical beginning. My father is a square dance caller, and so he would be singing and working on covers in the living room since I can remember. So I was three or four, and well, uh, was there instruments? Playing. Was there instruments in the house? Because he's um, using his voice, yeah, no, right? My brother's room, there was a drum trap, but square dancing was done a lot. To, you know, you went and had all the instrumental done because you want a, you want an instrumental track so other callers can call it live at a square dance. So my dad would be singing along to a pre-recorded 45. A 45, not tapes. Yeah. Okay. No, not tapes. My dad actually won a lot of awards. He revolutionized that party. He'd go up to Nashville and have the really no, good... No, I, I know about calling and shit like that. And if you ask me, it's got some roots in rap. You know, or rap, oh, yeah. rap has roots in it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's a good point. Yeah, you know, the idea of uh, a lot of words. <laughs> a lot of words. Yeah. A lot of words. And maybe, and like not, maybe not so much melody, but a lot of fucking syncopation. It's really rhythmic, whether it's a square dance or it's rap. It's, it's using words phonetically in rhythm. That's very interesting. Yes, didn't your brother teach your dad something in Actually, the car? Actually, when my brother was 16 and he was, uh, you know, his drumming was really good and chops. He got his scholarship to Berkeley School of Music that he never took up. My dad had him come and do drums on a square dance for Hooked on Elvis, a bunch of medleys tied together. And he made it shine a little more than previous session drummers. He's, he's an excellent drummer. My dad, you know, had to take note. Is he older brother? Yeah, yeah, he's three years older than okay. me. You know, did, you know, did the you, reaction uh... Sound Club, you guys have played together several times. Did you uh, did you jump on his drum set? No, Mike, man. I'm so unambidextrous. I can play the drums only one way. All the feet and hands at the exact same time. <laughs> so you did jump on it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave it some beating around. and But I was like a, a jock, a quarterback of the football team. My brother was a drummer. My dad was the singer. I was kind of intimidated to do any music. Although I daydreamed about it daily, and my brother eventually said to me from a weird little recording of a song called Carpet Technician that I wrote, he called it genius, and, and I was like, nah, and he's trying to let me know. Punk rock's made for people like you. It's not about perfection and talent. There's already a industry for that. It's about expression, and you know, you're know, you playing three chords in key, and I'd say, those are awesome words. You should get involved. You should take part in so you're I saying at that. school you just did sports. You didn't do any music at school. Until after high school, that's correct. Yeah, I didn't even you learn how to play. You weren't in the choir. Guitar. You weren't in the marching band or shit like that? Actually, I was in one play. I played the Scarecrow in our school's version of the Oz because I could moonwalk. Oh, and you were they, in theater? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little that's theater. a little that's different. A that's a little, unless you're in the musical part of it, it's a little different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, no, it is, sure. but it is getting in front of people and showing out. That, that I always had. I danced uh, uh, a little bit when I was eight or nine in some productions my mom did for a clogging, which is kind of like square dancing. Uh, and that would be at the Square Dance National with a few thousand people. So I was always wanting to show off and not be shy. And I had to develop some. What town, Shell, did you grow up in? Uh, Houston, Texas. Okay, Houston. Lightning yeah. Hopkins. Billy yeah. Gibbons. You know, my first band was really that breakdance group Jennifer mentioned, Soul Patrol. It was 12 people. There was a guy who kind of led us and, and guided us to doing a really good job and we won a lot of contests and made a lot of money even though it was dancing and performing 
I was in love with that that music at the time. You so. know what I forgot to do? I forgot to tell people the, the first music. It was John Coltrane doing Blue Train. Ah, on yeah. The first record he did on his own. And then you guys from your new album, something called Full Moon Young. And I want to play Jack Robinson. Awesome. Nice. nice.
doesn't matter. Um, today. It doesn't matter. At least they were not surprised.
<laughs> Watch for Pedro show. Yeah, Jack Robinson, Shell Shack. That's a, from a, a saying people would say to, uh, like a placeholder. I'll be back before you can say Jack Robinson. I thought it was, you know, like Jack Johnson, right? Miles has got that thing. The, the, was it the boxer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because there's a saxophone, I mean, a trombone player. J.J. Oh, Johnson. Anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my memory's terrible. The GOAT team's got something brand new, Cookie Scene. Uh, Petra Hayden after that, Bill Frizzell doing Once Upon a Time in the West theme, little excerpt there. Uh, King Above, no, the Tree Above with, with the tune King Above. Or is it King Above with the tune? Oh, I fucked that up. I got to <laughs> check that out, people. <laughs> but it's brand new, and uh, <laughs> I'm just too stupid to write it down wrong. Uh, Pat Smear after that, Pat from the Germs with his second solo album doing Innocent X. Uh, Dietrich and Barnes, that's John Dietrich from Deerhoof and Tim Barnes. Beautiful. I got to make a record with those two guys. Excellent. Called, uh, the, the, the Man to Hand Band. Yeah, it was wow. a big debate. Is it going to be the Hand to Man Band or the Man to Hand Band? <laughs> <laughs> you know, life's full of crisis is like that. Um, yeah. Jeff <laughs> after that with Wada, um, Wadada Leo Smith, they did a live record just recently, Snoopy Waves, and that's got John Dietrich on guitar. Team Dresch has got a brand new uh, album. Uh, oh, John, really? Donna Dresch I met. She was doing bass. I took the Screaming Trees on their first two tours, and she was the bass player for the second tour, I think in 1989. And it's called Story of the Earth. Amaya from up in the city with the uh, interlude xylophonic daydream. Magnet Hearts, that's uh, Jonathan Hall, Backbiter, his solo record, You Can't Live Without Love. And finally, Pretty Ugly from Shell Shack. So, uh, Jen, your turn. What's your earliest musical memory, please? Well, I have to tell you, Team Josh played at our house in San Francisco. We had a warehouse called Star Cleaners in the 90s. That's when I met a lot of the Recess Records. Yeah, but I'm talking about, wait, this is like, what's your earliest memory? I mean, oh, my I've earliest had, memory. I've had people on the show tell me about, like, they were two or three. <laughs> I can't remember shit. Oh, man. Well, I mean, I definitely remember because my uncle, who's only two years older than me. Whoa. I mean, my earliest musical memories are, you put the lime in the coconut. Harry Nielsen. Gary Nelson. You know that song? That song is one part, one chord, right? It's all C7. Yeah, yeah. and so as little kids, we could do it. And then, you know, the Beach Boys and the Beatles, of course. But my favorite memory is Queen because he was in the Queen fan club. And so he was nine and I was seven. And I wasn't allowed to go to the concert. And he was. And I waited all night for him to get home because I lived with my grandma at the time and him. Uh, and so he, you're listening to his records, or is this off the radio? We listen to the records. Okay. okay. So it's old, his, his records, okay. Yeah, because my dad's family, there's six kids, so he's the, the youngest of six. And so we had the older kids' records, and that's all we listened to. Sure, sure, sure. Was, right? there, any, was there any instruments in the pad? Yeah, oh yeah, guitar, uh, keyboards, wow. he the first to have a four track. He what? recorded us. We would do skits on, remember those little tape decks with a handle that were so innovative where you could finally record yourself. It was like a handheld little You're talking mini. talking about cassette players. 
Yeah, those little white ones where like the handle would lift up where, and all where that. Where was this, Jen? What? Where was this? It was in Clifton, New Jersey. Okay, so not not too far from where you are now. Yeah, not too far. Okay, uh, so there's all these instruments in the house. So there's there, there's a lot of people are that can play. Jimmy was a musical genius, and I was his sidekick. So he would just instruct me. And I would do what I could to help, but I loved it, but I never imagined I'd still be drumming now. But the most interesting thing about the Queen concert was when he got home, I was like, what was it like? And he was like, it was the loudest sound I've ever heard. And I was like, what do you mean? And then he explained to me, amplified music because we were only listening on records right so i never was in a room with an amp we had acoustic guitars but never amplified actually the way you heard that record was through an amplifier (laughs) (laughs) actually you're right What about at school jen were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that no, actually, I was a jock like Shellhead, and I was like a stoner look, jock. Look, look, I just asked those questions because I don't have the mind reading shit down yet. When I get that, <laughs> when I get that I, done, I won't have to ask you stuff like that. I believe you do. You know, but... And I'm also curious about schools because some schools cut out their music programs. Well, you know, it's funny. In my school, they had a drummer come to show us in the auditorium how athletic drumming was and how fun it was. And there was also a crossing guard that I really liked who had a drum pad and he would hang out on the corner when I would go to school and he'd let me play with his drum pad. So I love drums and I begged my parents for drums and they gave me a flute and a Jethro Tull album because we lived in an apartment, drums were too loud and expensive. And I never bonded with the flute, although I did play flute in school. Oh, and so then, you were in the band. What was that? You were in the band at school. Yeah, I was in the band. Yeah, but, but before you said you weren't. <laughs> well, I, I feel like I wasn't because I never really, oh, I didn't okay. really play it much. I didn't feel good at it. I was insecure. and sure, sure. I wanted to drum. And so... Eventually, I started drumming with my jazz buddies in high school on the side. And they turned me on to like, like we would just, I would play at their house because they had drum sets and they would teach me like, you know, blondie beats and, you know, just, we would just Led Zeppelin beats and I would just learn all these different beats that existed and uh, no but you, but new you're, you're using their drum set. When did you get your first drum set? Oh, my first drum set. This is a great story. My friend Laura got one. You ever have a kid in school who gets what you want because they can? Uh, anyway, yeah, she got she got a drum kit because she knew I wanted one, and she let me use it, but it wasn't mine. And then many years later, she came to my house and gave it to me because she said, "You're the one who always wanted it." Okay, and I I still have it the blue uh, slinger slingerland wow yeah blue slingerland sparkle those, those are uh, those are those are you know they go way back Georgie had a a wooden snare from the forties that's what he played in Minutemen oh wow I wouldn't shit you holy shit I, so I, I never... so you know both you guys I didn't ask 
What about after school with the basement band or the the bedroom or the uh, garage band? Did you guys do that? I watched my brother do it with the Degenerates uh, around 78, 79 in Houston, and I shared the garage and did my breakdance group. In the other time, we had to share the, you know, the teenager space out there in the garage. Sure. So I had a lot of, you know, exposure to it, but I still didn't know how to play the guitar. I didn't learn until college. Jen? Good, Mike. What? Yeah, I'm asking you. Did you do the little, you know, like your first bands, right? But they're not really gig bands. They're just, you know, you just do it, right? Yeah, I didn't have any bands until I got to college. I was in art school, and then I had a band, um, The Love and Mouthful, right? And it's 1990, I guess, so we're an all-girl band, and that's so weird. And and uh, we were a, an actual band, and we would play at Euro, Euro shops and in Columbus, Ohio, this was. I ended up Ohio going State. to Ohio State. Yeah. High Street. Yeah, High Street. It's the big street. I know about that. Yeah, <laughs> so we would play, oh, God, what's the club where Tira did sound? Stashes. Little Brothers. Yeah, I saw Nirvana at Stashes, like on the Bleach Tour, well, there, you know. There was a few stashes, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. I didn't John, know that. What was his name? John, uh, Dan Dugan. Yeah, Dan oh, Dugan. Dan Dugan, absolutely. He's he out of the like, ring now. He don't do that anymore. But, man, he's a great cat. They help right? the men and men out more than you can even imagine. Wow. Uh, yeah, because we lost that. a gig, yeah. and they gave us a gig in a couple hours. Yeah, All these exactly. flyers on High Street, and, yeah, beautiful people. Why, these this other motherfucker, they lied. They said there wasn't even a gig that Chuck Dukowski booked. Look, we're at the end of the first hour. Okay. Uh, July 15, 2020, Disha Wap Pedro Show, special guest, Shellshag. Hold time for hour two. July 15, 2020, it's the second hour of the Lot for Pedro Show.
Pedro Show. We start off the second hour with Shellshag and their new album. What's the new album called? It's called F-U-T-Q, Follow Up the Quest. That's what I, th I thought it was an acronym. Yes. Because I didn't know how to pronounce fuck. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm so glad you got it. <laughs> okay, Kingdom's Crash. Then uh, David Gerard, he's got a brand new album. Sun is Shining is the track. Few from uh, Japan with Not Going Anywhere. Chris Burns out of Canada with I'll Call Your Name. And then No Perfect. Shell Shell. Like uh, you were talking about Shell, uh, your brother saying No Perfect, right? Just do it. Express yourself. Yeah. Right. Now, I know everybody's been waiting uh, to hear you guys answer this one. How'd you meet? I'll take that. And then, Jen, you have to come on with the second half. But uh, I moved to San Francisco because my brother was out there. He had that recently encouraged me to play music. He's going to do a band with me called 50 Million. So I moved out there. We started this band. And Jennifer is one of the first people he introduced me to. She had a warehouse called Star Cleaners. And uh, she couldn't get us on the show, but she let us play outside on the sidewalk. Show sold out. We ended up playing to more people outside on the sidewalk and inside. <laughs> and Jennifer had a love love at first sight moment that night while she was working the door and, and I showed up and we locked eyes. Jennifer, your version? Yeah, yeah. And it kind of scared the hell out of us because we were at our, I guess I was at that time 25 and I really was into being single and I found myself creatively and was running a warehouse with my friends and it was all ages and we didn't serve alcohol or anything like that. It was we served tea and it was donation and it was a beautiful time. And uh, Shell and I kind of fell in love, but then also avoided each other in that way for about three years till we finally, it was pretty cute because Shell came back and was like, you know what? I just like being with you and I'm happiest with you. And I said, I agree. And so from the time I was 28 until now, we've just been together. We just, we get things done together, Shell and I. We're a good team. Now, it's very interesting, this romantic part, but I was kind of talking about the band. <laughs> or are they both part of the same thing? They yes, are, they actually, are. because we were both in bands. I had 50 million. Jennifer had Static Faction. Both were, were doing really well and sounding really great uh, about the time we were really bonding second album times. And... Jen and I are spending all the time that we're not with the band, her and I, and we're in that young time period where songs are just pouring out and you're holding the guitar. If you're not asleep, you're writing or playing something. So we're writing songs in the bedroom and putting them on tape, and we just think they're just way too cute and just horrible, and we're hiding them from everyone. We made like four or five cassettes, and we just wrote Shell Shag on the sticker, my half of my nickname and half of her last name. No plan to do anything else. A few years later, when those two bands uh, broke up and we started playing together, we spent a year trying to have a different band name until friends just were like, you know, we all call you guys Shellshag because of those cassettes you passed around. It That's was like who you are. just like a half dozen cassettes. Yeah, Shell was in a band, 50 Million. I was in a band called Static Faction. We were really psychedelic. I love that band. It was a great band. And then I was in a band called Noise Star and the Niddles, and I did percussion for a lot of people. Like I did percussion for the Brian Johnson Massacre. And but over this four-year period, we went from having just met 
to having lost the bands we were in and uh, all we had was those songs we were writing and each other. So we, we rebooted our, our band of brothers and sisters with the natural band that was hanging around, which at this point was down to just me and Jennifer. We started well, our duo, but Jen was genius and said we should face each other, which brought her out from behind the drums and put her up front. And nobody puts baby in the corner. Uh, well, <laughs> well, don't forget, we also did Kung Fu USA. We had a bass player. And that's oh, you when mean we there crossed was a three, paths. There was a three-person version of Shell Shag. Yeah. Yeah, we crossed paths with we you then. We crossed paths with you then when uh, Jay Masochist and the Fog Masochist. was happening. And when you were uh, getting with the Stooges. It was the night before we opened for Iggy Pop, and, and you guys all came over to the show. and the Great American for, Music Hall. At the Fillmore. At the Fillmore, I think. Was it yeah, Fillmore? I, I think, you know, I, but I think... I think because I remember going with Jay and the drummer man, George Burrs. This was Jay Mascus in the Fog. Yeah. And he came yeah, over we, with Brother Steve because he lived in the city then, the sax man. And yeah. Ron, and actually Ronnie, Ron Ashton. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And we, we saw him play with his solo band. It was, the, it was the Great American, I think it was Great American Musical. But I could yeah. be wrong. Look, I want to play Open Season. All okay. Right.
We'd like to thank all of you who uh, stayed through the through the threatening flood to catch our last night. Now, especially our roadies and, and friends, Pat and T, over there. This is a, a sad moment, friends. Hey, eyes out my way. Next song is kind of our what used to be our anthem. It's called Rock and Roll. It's about the music that uh, saved my life. I don't know about yours. I hope so. I hope it saved your life too. We have something in common then. <clears throat> Story about a little girl named Jenny in the early 50s. That's before they had uh, Watergate and uh, marijuana and uh, soapers and everything else. There was nothing to do except listen to music, dance. Didn't have to worry about peace demonstrations or anything. Yeah, I just had to worry about getting pregnant. Jenny didn't have to worry, she was only five years old.
Show, yeah, you heard Shell Shack do an open season. Then Peter Lochner after that from the old uh, Cleveland sequel, Rock and Roll. Uh, Foxen from Dan Klukas, Jeb Bishop, Damon Smith, Matt Crane, uh, Barcelona, Chico Raros, Wild Boys, Tormenta, Round Eye from Shanghai. They're all uh, Laowai guys, though, uh, but they love living there. Well, some parts. <laughs> Uh, Red Crimes, and after that, Shell Shag with Fallen. And uh, where did you record this? There at the pad? Yep, yep, right here at the studio, yeah, where we all hang out when we come. Love that pad. And, you know, it's, it, I mean, they, they've got it fixed up, people, uh, for, like, kind of filming stuff, like a soundstage, but it probably has got great acoustics for a recording. Really does. Hey, you know what I forgot to ask? What was the first Shell Shag gig like? Well, we were called Revenge. And <laughs> really? I were, Why? We were trying to avoid the we shell shack. Oh, the name on the cassette. Yeah, and we searched up and down for a band name, and we liked the sound of Revenge. We felt like on our own against the world because Jen had gone through a squatting thing with the warehouse that she ran, and we just felt kind of outcasted, and we were having to like fight our way through everything. So Revenge sounded good. 
We didn't know there was a revenge between Warsaw and Joy Division. It's, it's the base man from uh, Joy Division, right? Yeah. Right, and probably about a 300 other revenges, including <laughs> one in town that was also called Revenge. And But we wore, I wore a suit and tie and Jen wore a gown, and we did what we do now, but without the pyramid thing. Uh-huh. Uh, we really appreciated it the way we did, sweating up a suit and you know, going from crisp and almost mother and dad looking to just apart at the end. Yeah. It helped Jen get a fresh fresh start on so, playing music. So what was this revenge gig like? Same five songs, which we continued to do for about two years straight. <laughs> yeah. And couldn't be any songs we had already written or sound like our other bands, so they weren't the best of songs, but we learned how to have a lot of energy and yeah. perform on stage instead of just survive the set without messing up the songs. So it was an important time period for me and Jen as artists. Yeah, we yeah. both played with really talented musicians in the other band and felt they carried us. And now it's just me and her, so we, we had to put some kind of magic together that that didn't require someone to come save the day. Well, when, when did the bass player come in and get, then get scissored? Uh, prior to the Shell Shag thing, uh, Dan was playing bass with us with Kung Fu, and uh, we started that because I wrote some extra songs for $50 million and wanted Kung, to be in Kung, a band. Kung Fu's another name? Yeah, it was called Kung Fu USA. That's the band that opened up for Iggy Pop. And the so Grand. That's, that's, that's before you're called Revenge. Yeah, yeah. But still, the, the real core is Shell Shag. Uh, right. All, all the way through, I think, really. You know, me and Jennifer played with people when they were around, but as we got older and the stronger a couple, we No, came. no, not, not older. Less younger. Yeah, less younger. Uh, people, you know, fell in love with other people, and they couldn't hang around all the time. Well, me and Jennifer are still hanging around, so the band just naturally trimmed down to the two of us. Oh, and we, that's how you lost the bass. Yeah, we wanted to tour all the time, too, and it was no one else did. And so we said, all right. Honestly, gonna... losing the bass without the bass drum wasn't that big of a deal. So the stand-up drums and uh, not the bass not being there were kind of a, a duel happening. They, you know, it worked a little better to have no bass. Well, you know were... about this uh, thing about the bass drum, kick drum, holding the beat like that. It wasn't oh, yeah. ever like that in the old days. And the jazz stuff, they used it for bombs and shit. It was Earl Palmer, uh, Little Richard's drummer, because they, they couldn't carry a bass player. And he would kind of hold down the bottom with a steady... Yeah, that rock and roll kick drum beat did not exist before the 50s. Wow, that's so interesting I didn't know to hear. That. We didn't know listen, that. To, listen to Elvin Jones or, you know, anybody, uh, you know, Philly Joe Jones. Uh, even, well, don't look. Listen to Buddy Rich cuss, you know. But but they, they're not holding the beat. Where they hold the beat is with the cymbals, either the hi-hat or the ride. Yeah. It was just a whole different mindset, you know. Even the basses, they were giant violins, right? Yeah, uh, I just, had that Buddy you know, Rich. Things change. Cool. The only thing that stays the same is things change. Ah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny. When Shell and I did really start with facing each other, we had my friend had gone to Rwanda and brought me these bells, and Shell was like, "What do you want to do today? Like that's different. Like just not being a traditional sort of rock band." So I'm like, "I want to face you and stand up and jump around," and that's when we really formed Shell Shag the way you've seen us, where okay. we okay. We're at the end of the second hour, July fifteenth, twenty twenty. Special guest Shell Shag. Hold that for hour three. July 15, 2020, it's the third hour of the Watford Pedro Show.
When I left my hometown, I lost everything I knew. All I could do was embrace my loneliness with no reservations. I was left out in the cold. I felt so out of place with nowhere to go. And no one was there to welcome me. It's all my
monkeys. First day we met, had no idea what they even looked like yet, and I still don't know. 'Cause all day long we sit there staring ahead at the road in the hot sun in the night. making movies, playing music, and then one day they talked. They talked, and then when we talked again, we became friends. One that I really miss. One I'm so glad I met. One knows which way to go without saying. of the Minutemen because we covered uh, Underground Railroad, uh, yeah. Todd's band, a recess Todd, band. You Underground know, Todd. Railroad to Candyland. Right. But you and know what? With Todd, it don't matter what the name of the band is. It's going to sound like Todd. It's yeah. fucking Todd C. The Todd C. Cool. Let, let's, let's tell the people uh, what we just heard. Uh, we started the third hour off Torch from Shell Shag. They pray oh, with cool. forever. Dream phases. Promises. Promise of promise. And Shell Shack finally, keep your eyes on the road. That's a tour tune. Oh, yeah. Now, okay, so you recorded this uh, new album at the pad. So you had the luxury of taking your time. So so I, I'm wondering how long. Uh, about two and a half years. We, we really couldn't find a place for it when we were touring and uh, really having some opportunity to play the songs that we had been doing a while and played stronger. Yeah. So we weren't playing them live very much and felt like we had plenty of time to like keep tweaking them. Then yeah. we just didn't do anything because we weren't doing anything. Like We were as confused as anyone. It's like, hey, everyone, take a break. So we did, but we weren't getting antsy. So when you emailed me, I was honest. Hey, you got any music? It's like, I got like an album and a half. I'd love to do something. This was the first thing we were inspired to jump on at a time when we were not sure how we are going to tour it. 
yeah. or, you know, uh, get news of it around even really. Jen and I are kind of old school. We don't really work our internet well. So, but, uh, getting to debut it on the Watt from Pedro show. Boom. Let's, let's master it up. So it's yeah. been ready for some time. We just, well, uh, and, and you know, and however the sitch is, it's kind of a document of that time, right? It yeah. really is, and it wasn't Past complete. The time wasn't complete, so it makes a lot of sense to put it out now because this last little thing that happens really tied to a lot of stuff we did prior. Like all the way back last October, we pulled all of our music off the streaming networks uh, and went just with our own band camp. I never realized what I had done there. I didn't do it intentionally. It happened while the, everything changed. I wasn't comfortable with that, so I undid it. And now I'm taking a look at what we're looking at now. But since I started that, everything's changed. So I, everyone's probably looking at it now. So we feel like we got a head start, and it all makes sense. Well, so. I think the band camp people are pretty kind to the bands compared to the other fucking bullshit, right? Uh, I can tell you without assumption from having pulled off and have statistics that 10 times more listens on band camp and 10 times more intimacy and fun, and I like that. Yeah. I'm almost uncomfortable with someone I don't know here in my band. I'd really rather meet them first. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but the situation, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, when, when it rains lemons, right? Make lemonade. I, yeah. I, I, I read somewhere yeah. that uh, whoever wrote those Shakespeare plays, King Lear was written during a lockdown. Oh, wow. Yeah. Look, I want to hear a uh, follow-up the quest. Oh, yeah.
Thank you. Uh, we are collects to see. Welcome to the future. Signing off. Peace, love, and conquering your fear of death. Good luck. Pedro to me, yeah. like you know, from a uh, history of the world part two, or uh, yeah, but when you say corn dog, uh, uh, or I wait, say this is Bob Dylan to me, it's called History Lesson Part Two because Bob, Bob Dylan, Dylan had a song called uh, 
history lesson on punchline. Right. So I came yep. back on double nickels on the dime and yeah. that history I lesson part two. The when I say about... when I mentioned Pedro, I said we drove up from Pedro. Yes, and so we say we altered the lyric and said this. I also have uh, some fun with some ambiguity because I said we are fucking corn dogs. Yeah, yes. what do you mean there? Like you're goofy people, right? It means well, it fucking could be either an adjective or a verb. Right. Well, I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I know when I was really young, I, I kept thinking there was like something about the corn dogs and Pedro because I never really thought. The oh, line. a corn dog! Yeah, uh, yeah, we didn't like eating those. A corn dog is a somebody's kind of corny, right? He's kind of a. Right. Yeah. He's, he's embarrassed. <laughs> he's embarrassing, but in a way, he he ain't embarrassed because he's uh, you know what I mean he doesn't realize he's a corn dog. Right. Uh, <laughs> so it had nothing to do with food, but it did have to do with the ambiguity between the adjective and the verb for fucking. Yeah. I was well, just I, trying to say there was a big beef going on in the letter section of Flipside between, you know, a friend of mine, a singer of TSOL, right? Uh, Jack. And somehow who was the, the more whatever. And I was, I wrote that song, look, at the end of the day, we're all just people. And trying to express ourselves, and you get into these weird kind of things to get a, a beef over criminy. So that's what I was trying to do. And the uh, so line was too hard, so I asked D Boone to do the vocals. So he had to change the line, me and Mike Watt, because he couldn't say me and D Boone. Right. Mike <laughs> actually wrote a lot of the stuff. That uh, he's I didn't okay. realize that. Yeah. So what you're trying to do is get a little setup going so you can play outside. Yeah, yeah. For the tour, for this record, we're going to do, even if it's just six people in a backyard or a campsite and 20 people, but we want to make sure it's masked, gloved, and sets a positive example. It doesn't you know, cause it to be more problems with people doing some Shell, outdoor Shell, stuff. Shell, where can people find you on the internet? I, I forgot to ask. Shellshag.com, and it links to all of our other stuff, and it's the easiest to remember. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, of course, of course. But spell that uh, for the people. Uh, S-H-E-L-L-S-H-A-G dot com. Yeah. And from there, there's all the other flyers on the telephone poles. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Most all, everything we have is. Yeah, uh, I've been to the site. I, I love it. you got a good site. And I, and I like, and it, it's your fancy, right? There's no, no middle man, no filter. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. We're yeah, very we're direct. Yeah, we're pretty adamant about band. not having now, middle. Now, can, can I ask you about the process? Do you guys make demos? Um, We... Do in a weird way. If Jen writes a song, she does it on an acoustic and usually with one finger or an electric and one finger. And she does a lot of stuff in E with this under drone note. I can play a little better so I can play with it a little as long as Jen still likes it. And I usually bring mine like a Peter Stubbs or, you know, a quick punk. A guy doing a solo version of a no effect song or something, just, you know, power chord and I jam it out. Everything no, else we build up in the studio. What, I, what I'm wondering about is like, yeah, do you make a little cassette of it or a little uh, recording on a pewter or something? No, we, we practice do. live. Uh, we oh, get okay. Well, I'm, I'm yeah. talking more about the composition stage. The composition for me, I usually just voice memo these days, like if I have an idea. So you sing into a, in your leash or something? Yeah, into my phone. Yeah. And then it's like the track, Keep Your Eyes on the Road, that you'll hear. That was actually recorded in New Jersey with Marissa Paternoster from the Screaming Females, um, and I just do voice memos and then I share them with Shell, and then he makes it much more magical. Because I'm well, not. I, much I do a, a lot of that. I got a little Sony recorder, a little Econo thing, and I just while I'm doing my hobbling at Crack of Dawn, you know, 
Yeah. And just uh, we'll hum little like kind of lines, melody lines. Do you ever write songs on drums? You know what, Mike? No, and I've okay. tried. It's really strange because I can't seem. It, it's like really weird. I can't seem to write a song from drums. In fact, when I write a song and then I get to the drums, I almost don't even know what the beat is because I'm such a droner on guitar. You know. So you, but you so, do a little guitar, a shell. Do you? Yeah. Sing, I know you're less younger now than when you were the little brother, but do you ju ever jump on her drums? I I did on a couple of shows that are infamous because I'm really horrible at it. I keep perfectly good time. <laughs> I just don't know how. And at any time I've tried to even get a serious beat going, my feet, my hands won't work separately at all. Okay. So, <laughs> so the two times I've drummed live, I did both feet, both hands going, you're a braver man than I am, Shell. Look, both you guys. No, 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 no. What would we you, both show. you guys? What would you give advice to younger people getting into this racket? Oh wow! Uh, Just do it. Don't even think. Okay, that's good. right. Yeah, it's great yeah. advice. Just don't, don't let don't anything think. stop you from getting started, and be yourself. So, yeah, don't you yeah, be yourself? Don't listen to. I don't know. I mean, no, no, that's just, that's good stuff. That's good. Yeah, stuff. just just go with the flow and pick it up. And, and how much it. experience? I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never I never wrote a song. Shell inspired me because I would write them. I never even viewed them as songs. I didn't. No one said you're a songwriter or no, all that. But as a team. Yeah, and then I was like, hell yeah, I can write that's songs. Right. And that's right. Look, big start. big honor for me. And please let me be the person to debut the next Shell Shag album. Oh, oh, it'd be our pleasure and honor. <laughs> People, it's been the July 15, 2020 edition of Peter. So keep your powder dry. <laughs>